Uh, we started a little while ago. We've been doing some stuff from the, uh, the Old Testament, um, and we've been learning about the uh, story of Moses and the Exodus. Uh, this uh, slide right here is actually uh, Mount Sinai. The, 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 uh, traditionally, this is the area where Moses spoke with God. Uh, the mountain area is vast and large, so nobody can actually say it was right there. He didn't plant a flag. He didn't write his name anywhere. Um, but uh, this is kind of gives you an idea of the area that they were at and walking around. He had a whole community with him that uh, was rescued out of Egypt and taken. And now uh, it is time for them to develop a personal relationship with God, a personal relationship with God. That is something that is um, not experienced in a lot of other faiths. You usually have this God that's just way out there, but this is a story of God wanting to develop a personal relationship uh, with the people that uh, were rescued out of Egypt. Now, Egypt, when you, they were in Egypt, and they were there for a long time, the Israelites kind of uh, their, their faith got a little muddled over the years uh, because Egypt has, uh, a, a, was a place that, um, well, the, the pharaoh considered himself a god. And so there was a lot of confusion as far as uh, worship and all of this kind of stuff. There was a lot of confusion about how we do things. Uh, some of the stories that date back like, to Abraham and the first time that they uh, encountered God had gotten kind of lost in the mix. Time had passed. And so now they're on the... Uh, the mountain again, and they're learning how to do this monotheistic relationship with God. Uh, there were, this was, this was the first time in history where people considered that there was one God. Uh, this was a community, a, a world where people had gods for every single thing. And sometimes they would build these things to pray to, and sometimes they would create gods, uh, and they would, uh, people prefer, uh, like the Pharaoh considered themselves God. Uh, there was a number of different gods. And so as God is developing this relationship with the people of Israel, he is setting down some uh, agreements kind of thing, but it's also some teachings. Uh, we started last Sunday doing the Ten Commandments, and last Sunday was the, uh, I am the, uh, basically the, the only God, you should have no gods before me. This is God teaching us to uh, have that personal relationship. Sometimes we look at the Ten Commandments as a, a, a scolding, as things that we know that we're going to break, and we will, um, and, and God knew that. Um, but it can also be seen as something quite positive about a relationship with God, about a, a parent teaching uh, a child uh, certain ways in which to act and to develop a relationship. And so when, uh, the, like the, for instance, in the first um, commandment, when God said, you should have no other gods before me, what he was really saying is, you know, you're in a world where people just, you know, worship everything. I, I want you to know uh, I'm it and I'm it for you. Uh, it is about a personal relationship. I'm here for you. It's not about a scolding. It is about a personal relationship. And so now Moses is still on the mountain. He is getting a, uh, 
uh, talking to with, with God. People are at the foot of the mountain. They see uh, this huge cloud that has enveloped uh, Moses in this area. And the sound that they are hearing is not words. It's actually the sounds what they consider um, almost like a trumpet music. And I, I want us to think about that too, the, the trumpet music. That means that God, uh, it's a good illustration about how God speaks to us. If we are expecting just words, if we limit our, our source to just visual and audible, we have to uh, expand that to all, what are the other ways that God speaks to you? Is it through nature? Is it through music? I, I, I tell you, when Will sings, I, I hear God speaking to us many, many Sundays. When, when he is singing, I, I, I feel that. And sometimes it's even instrumental. I have a feeling that because it started out with a trumpet, that God really does prefer jazz. And I think that if we just follow that line of thinking, uh, John Coltrane, things like that, I just want to invite you all uh, to experience God with a little bit of Miles Davis, a little bit of Herbie Hancock, just, you know, something like that. Just my own thing there, but I'm pretty sure that's accurate. And so he is up there, he's talking to um, uh, God, and God is given the first commandment, which we covered last Sunday, and today he's giving the second commandment. And there's some, there's some things I want to go over with this. The first thing that he says is, you shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Now, what he's talking about is that, we were just talking about these other gods. People would build things like uh, a, a, a bird, for instance, and that was a god. And so they would worship that. And what happened was is that people started to develop a, a, uh, gods of their own. They started to um, see God with uh, their eyes rather than God's eyes. In other words, uh, they got to tailor the thing that they were building to match what they wanted it to be. And God is saying, don't be misled by that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I, this is all about, I, I, want to, I want to represent myself with you. Uh, I don't want you to just to go on hearsay or rumors or made-up things. I want to have a relationship with you. And wouldn't you want to do that if you were like a, a friend of somebody's? You, you would want to have your own voice. You would want to be able to have a personal relationship. You wouldn't want them to cast a judgment over what they think you are and all of this kind of stuff and just go floating around there. You would want to kind of narrow that down to a personal relationship. Now, this part is easy to explain. It seems okay. But then when we get to the second part, this is where a lot of people have um, issues with, and a lot of people have been very irresponsible with. Uh, he says, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the inequity of the parents, to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Dang, that sounds like a harsh thing. It sounds like I just got a spanking from God. Uh, which is not what you hear in jazz. So um, this is something that people have felt terrible about over the years. People have feared over the years. And it's also something that people have used against people over the years. Uh, this is something where it seems like, you know, 
There are the people that, that fear things like this, but it's, they're always outnumbered by the people that just want to condemn and hurt people by using uh, things like this as an evil tool against people. We have to put things into context. We have to put things into context. Uh, remember, the Bible is something, and I, I'm probably going to have some people that, um, that disagree with me, maybe some people that are going to turn, turn it off, but I truly believe the Bible is inspired by God, but has some writtens, writtens? Yeah. Uh, by people, specifically by men of the time. They wrote it. And so just as you go to church or see a preacher or anything like that, I'm going to give you a message of God, but I'm also probably going to give a little bit of Trevor in there too. Uh, and we have to accept that not as a flaw in the Bible, but as something to celebrate in the Bible because it's an example of God using you as you are to help spread that message, flaws and all. And so that is something that we want to hang on to. But this has been misunderstood. In the Old Testament ways, when you go down to that time period, there was the, it was easy to talk about the uh, do this or there's a, there's a threat here, okay? There's a, uh, there's, there's a harsh thing about the word jealousy, for example. Jealousy is often seen as something quite negative. How many of you have been in a loving relationship? And how many of you have at one time, just once, uh, experienced jealousy because there's that thought of losing the person that means so much to you. So sometimes jealousy is a very healthy thing. It's something that is connected between two individuals that love each other. And now we get into the angry part here. He says, I'm a jealous God, punishing children for the inequity of the parents. First off, punishing children sounds really harsh. Now again, this is the creative license that somebody's taken. But when you look at the language, when you look at the history, when you study uh, the, the, the meaning of this, this is where God interprets and Moses says, you know what? If you follow other things, uh, remember, okay, first off, uh, our God is a God of love. If you follow other things, it will affect the people that are around you. When he's talking about uh, third and fourth generations, he's talking about grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And at the time that this was written, the people that were traveling with Moses were big families like this. So it was basically God saying, if you're not giving a message of love, you are infecting all of the people around you. In your camp, your negativity, your uh, pessimism, your worship of other things is impacting the people that are around you. In other words, what God is actually talking about is a personal relationship with him and also a community. And that's where we have messed up before. Because we have taken this as it's our permission to say, well, I follow this. You're a jerk because you don't. And by just saying that, I'm the, actually the one that is poisoning the people around me. If you are a negative person, if you are an uh, angry person, if you are a uh, dishonest person, it's going to affect the people that are around you. Your actions do affect 
children. They do affect uh, the, the grandchildren. They affect people. And that's what God is saying here. This has been misunderstood for generations. But what God is truly saying is you will affect the people that are around you. And he backs it up with, but if you are with me, I, I lean on the positive side. If you, if you do this, your actions are going to affect. But if, 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 you're, if your positivity, your, your spreading of the word love, that goes on before uh, third and fourth generations. That goes on for the thousandth generation. In other words, what God is saying is that love travels farther and longer than the misguided hatred and things of the day. Remember, the gods before the God that they are experiencing here in the wilderness, the gods before there were punishing gods, angry gods, messed up gods, and they were pharaohs that would kill people, put people to death, punish people. It was a very negative, ugly thing that people were following. And God is saying, I'm not that. I am not that. If you do that, you're going to hurt people. If you don't do that, you will heal people for generations to come. Another example where this, is, um, this kind of thing was misunderstood, we can jump to the New Testament here. Jesus is walking with his disciples and they see a visually impaired person. And it says, as he, uh, he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, which means teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, they're still in the mindset that somebody had to deserve the bad thing that happened to them. Uh, and Jesus is saying, not only did he not deserve it, but it's not even a bad thing. Uh, Jesus is saying, neither this man nor his parents sinned, you morons. He was just blind from birth so that God might be revealed in him. In other words, he is who he is, and God is still with him. It's not about somebody being punished. It's not about your judgment of somebody because of uh, a difference. It is about that God is with people, whoever they are. Whoever they are, God is with them. And so Jesus kind of gives his disciples a little smack about the head and says, you know, you've misunderstood that. And so this we can take as read that this is a misunderstanding for generations and dates back to that time. But I want to go back to the original here that you shall not make for yourself an idol. We are back in the Old Testament where people did make things. They made gods, they made, if they wanted fertility, they made a god for that, and some of them are hilarious, so you can see them now, uh, and they made uh, agricultural ones, they made all kinds of things. And God is saying your focus really needs to be on truth, because these uh, gods, uh, by tradition, are often conditional, they are often uh, lead toward judgmentalism, they often lead toward greed, they often lead toward all these things that I am not. They lead you away from the love of God. So you need to be focused on the truth. In other words, again, if you're friends with somebody, you want to represent yourself. You don't want somebody to talk about you. We've all been talked about before. 
I, I, I think it's fair to say that every one of us has been uh, uh, subject of a rumor or a backstabbing or something where somebody has, has uh, misrepresented who we truly are. That's what God is saying. Don't misrepresent. Don't create something in your life that blocks your relationship with me. Now, this is normally the part where a pastor like me uses this as, okay, let's talk about money. Uh, because money is something that we idolize and all that kind of stuff. And what's the, what's the key to this? Give us your money. That's what it is. Just, you know, you built the money. You, you, just give us the money. No, seriously, give us, I'll wait. Go ahead and write the, okay, it's not working. But this is where people focus primarily on money. I want to talk about something that I think that is going on in our world right now uh, that is going to um, make us look at something else. We have created uh, things in our own image. Uh, we are still building idols. We are still building things that we uh, want to tell us what we want to hear. This is where I see it the most. And I've tried to be fair here. I tried to show equal representation. You know what's funny is that when you look at some of these, I've even have televangelists here. Uh, and what's weird is that <laughs> a lot of these people, when you just type in their name, it's pretty easy to find an image of them screaming or angry. Um, but we have run to the 24-hour news stations. We have run to the uh, talk radio. We have run to the, uh, the, the, the online stuff. But we have been focused on the thing that makes us, um, I hate to say it, influenced. We have built this. This is uh, from the earth. And this is something that we have created. And this is something that has divided many people. And this is something that has made many people incredibly angry. A lot. Now, again, um, some of this uh, in moderation or whatever is, I, I'm not getting, I don't want to pick an actual network. I don't want to pick uh, an actual thing. I want us to, at this time, I want us to focus on ourselves. I want us to focus on ourselves because this as a lot of this stuff, the reason that we, a lot of pe times that people get hooked into a lot of this stuff is because they love that it focuses on somebody else. They love that it tells us that it's okay to hate and be angry and all of that kind of stuff to somebody else, but it never has us focus on the love of God or ourselves. And so I want us to focus on ourselves. I don't want to yeah, but... I don't want us to look at this and say, yeah, but that means that I really want us to focus on, is this something? Are, are any of us uh, spending too much time with certain things 
that take us away from the focus of God, which is the love of God. The love of God. We watch things 24-7 now. They have panel people. They have uh, three, three that agree with them and maybe one person that doesn't and the one person's always treated kind of like a stooge. But it, it tells us to think a certain way uh, and we, we feed on that because what it does is it tells us to be angry and not like somebody else. When God is telling us that we pray for everybody, when God is telling us that there is love in the world, when God is telling us that social justice is something that we act upon, but we do not act upon it by creating villains and enemies or violence, we act upon it by sharing the love of God. And sometimes we focus so much on that anger, and that's where we just sit, and that's where we stay. We can easily say we are creating social justice by just being angry all the time. But there's no action there. We're not taking that action. We're not doing something to create change in our world. We are just sitting in the fervor and the anger and the hatred. And it feeds on us anytime that we want to turn on the TV. Anytime that we want to check a certain personality on that TV. And the question that I have to ask is when we are succumbed to this, when we are watching this, do we... Come out of it better? Or do we just get encouraged to be more angry, to hate people more, to dislike the world more? Do we walk out of certain things with a plan for change? Do we see when somebody says, uh, I matter? Do we see that as a threat? Because that's, as, as Christians, if someone says they matter, they do. That's what Jesus was all about, is that they matter. And that if people are being oppressed or being, uh, trying to make a better life of themselves or doing something or needing some help, that's the love of God. That's where we put it into action. We don't just sit there and watch it all the time and just say, you SOB, boy, I just hate them. They are just rotten to the core. And then they, you take stuff and you share it online, uh, memes that are just, uh, just awful uh, to uh, uh, people that don't show any hope, just show the negativity, just villainize. But we are never being part of the solution. Because part of the solution is Christ. And part of that solution is uh, loving one another. We've got to remember that when Christ walked the world, there was division just like there is now. There were people that were excluded. There were people that were not allowed in. There were people that were considered the enemies. And when they came to Christ, Christ talked to every one of them. He talked to the people that were considered the scum of the earth. He talked to the, the, uh, the people that were considered the minority and not welcome. He talked to the people that were of other faiths. He talked to the religious leaders that hated him. He talked to the governmental leaders that wanted to kill him. Because he was about change. 
the things that we idolize in this world today, is it helping us along the path? Or is it keeping us in a moment of hatred and anger? That's something that, like I said, we got to think of ourselves. It's something that only you can decide, only you can know. But I just didn't want to talk about money today or the car or power. There are other things that we can idolize in our world. And if it is steering you from the love of God, the love of God, does that make it an idol? Only you can really answer that. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, help us to take a personal inventory of ourselves. What are we surrounding ourselves with? What is it in our lives that help us to become better Christians? And, and what is it that acts as a distraction? What are things that we can tune down and be and use in more moderation? And what are we obsessing about? What are we idolizing in our lives? Help us to find that and help us to have the courage to address it and change it. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Now, we've been doing this thing after we've uh, been doing our, uh, the message, um, reflections. And usually I just give a question, and, and I do want to give a question. And if you're at home, uh, we're going to take about just about 60 seconds to think about this. Um, if you want to talk about it, if you want to talk to your neighbors about it, uh, I invite you to do so. But the question is, how can we focus more on the love of God, on the love of God? Let's just take 60 seconds on that. If you want to share it with your neighbor, that's great. If you want to internalize it, if you're at home, want to share it, uh, however you want to do it, just, we're just going to take 60 seconds on this. You know, sometimes we can surround ourselves with things in our lives that uh, almost make it feel like there's no hope, uh, and things can feel pretty hopeless. A little secret for you. You are the hope. It's not a matter of waiting for something to happen. It's not a matter of, of, of waiting for someone else to change. You're the hope. You're the hope that this world needs. Equip yourself with things that make it easier to share that hope. Equip yourself with the love of Christ. And then, love God, love yourself, and love your neighbor. Every one of them. Amen.